on this episode of A Tale of Two Rivals. Todd Head gives his takes on the elder statesmen of the wide receiver core and how they can help you win a fantasy title. What are his thoughts on Aaron Jones and his four touchdown performance? He also spreads his love for Mike Kosecki some more. Stay tuned. Welcome to a tale of two rivals, a fantasy football podcast put on by your three P. All I do is win, 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 no matter what, champion, and a spreadsheet loving, database driven. All I do is have a fourth place in our league with a two and one record, nerd. To find some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener. Who am I joined by? <laughs> joined by at FF underscore Spaceman, Dave Wright, Todd Foster, Mr. Bannerman. I'm excited to dive into your takes. They're backed up by the database. I am pumped to see what kind of fire you bring in tonight. I'm ready to bring the fire. I am pumped up to get into your takes, sir. Why don't we get into the first, your first take here? The elder statement at, at the wide receiver position here, Todd. Why don't you break us break down some of your top targets here that are veterans that can help people get to the get that W in the ship? There's no doubt, like if you're listening to this pod, like you're a dynasty player, you're more than aware of the influx of young talent at wide receiver that we've pretty much have never seen before. But there are some vets, grizzly vets, that are still making some noise and can be valuable pieces to you winning a 2021 title hunt. Clearly, it's the quality of the short term value to make the run. I don't think most of these guys would require significant long-term pieces to acquire them. So these are guys that are acquirable for not having to give up a major building block for your future. I think your draft capital would probably be under a first-round draft pick. One of these guys, maybe a second, and I think that that would be not a bad move if you're contending. But let's dive into it. All right, so I have five guys that I'm diving into. Number one, Brandon Cooks. And his 37.6 target share. That is insane. That's the same as Devontae Adams. So given his age, his injury history, and the fact he's on the Texans, his value should be very affordable. But he's an outstanding target right now. And if he continues this pace, even at like 80% of it, he's just going to get more expensive. So I'm a believer coming out of the gate with him right now is him being a at very least, at the bottom, a weekly flex play, if not a Y3 or Y2 right now. The only thing you have to worry about is that offense not being great. But with that offense is they're not going to be winning a lot of games, which means they're going to be throwing the ball. Love Cooks. He's my number one vet to be targeting to be making a run. Todd, it was impressive with Cooks, too, that he was able to do something with the rookie Davis Mills coming in. It wasn't just Ty, uh, Tarod Taylor. So it, we, he, you, it shows us that he's a little bit QB proof. I don't know, QB proof might be a little bit too strong here, but at least he was still usable, still not even usable, extremely valuable. And then I will say the only thing that I can really couch it here, Todd, is if 
because I think any veteran is available to be had via trade for Houston right now. If they, that's been made but known by the GM. If if they do trade him, you might lose him for a week or two, and then there might be a a, a process where you might it might be a couple of weeks before he ramps up, and who knows what his new situation is here. But I'm not gonna let that sway me as far as just how awesome and how his uh his production has been so far. That's actually a great point, and we can actually talk about that. Everywhere Cooks goes, he produces. Like, him moving is not new. Him producing in a new team is not new. Him producing with a new quarterback is not new. He's cons- His biggest issue has just been staying healthy. Uh, yeah, he, you definitely would take a hit with a trade, but I wouldn't fear that because he's used to that situation, and he succeeded. All right, my next guy, huh, one of my personal favorites from a while ago and one of Dave's favorites from last year, which got me some free beer, A.J. Green. 17.8% target share, 181 yards, only 10 grabs. That's a deep threat. He's doing A.J. Green things. He doesn't have to do it as frequently. It's definitely a bit of a maddening situation between the more Kirk Green, who's breaking out this week, navigating, rolling the whole dice thing, but the reason I point out Green is like, that's by far the oldest dude of this trio. And he's not going to be a costly play. And I'm not saying you're going to get A.J. Green to go like be your wide three or your, or your wide two. You're getting him to be wide receiver depth or a flex consideration on buys and injuries. And you could do so much worse and not have to give up much to go and get him. Remember, this guy was an elite wide receiver at one point. He was one of my favorite picks in the early days. Dave gushed about him way too much last year, and he disappointed him. But you still got to respect the talent, and you got to understand how cheap he could be for you to be able to help you with that title run. I think I called him washed last week, uh, a shell of himself. Might not even make it through the season with the Cardinals. I'm glad that A.J. Green continues to confound me, Todd, and no matter how I try to spin A.J. Green. He's sitting there on my bench still here, Todd, in, in our leagues, in our home league, in the Tail Two Rivals League, so I'll at least I'll take solace in knowing that despite everything, Todd, I have not moved on from him. Let's just say that. I love it, dude. I think the 17.6 uh, target share with Moore having his mini breakout with Kirk doing what he's doing, having Nuke there. And then obviously you got to factor in uh, Chase Edmonds as just a receiving back. That's just a pretty significant uh, target share right there. And I think you mentioned it too, Todd. It's going to be tough maybe to pinpoint which weeks he's going to explode. But it's good to see him at least get one more 100 receiving yard game out there. You know, just one more, Todd. One more last ride for the old, the, the old war horse. I think he's got more than one left. That's why I'm saying, if you think you have a serious run right now, put together a minimal offer and get him on your team, and just he'll be a great depth piece. Great depth Will piece. Will a third round pick get it done, Todd? Oh, easily. If wow. if you if you're not contending, or if you're not sure if you're a top team. I would take a third all day for A.J. Green because you were not expecting to get anything for A.J. Green. So if you're contending, what is a third-round pick really doing for your roster build? At that point, it's like, it's fine. Like You're also not going to use a third-round pick to be like, oh, I'm so close to getting this elite wide receiver. You want my third to kick it off? Like, no, dude. I mean, it's a third-round pick. You know, if you can go get it for like a flex play, forget about it, you know? So, all right. My third elder statesman to go acquire Emmanuel Sanders. Yes, I know Cole Beasley has more targets. That's another reason why I'm recommending Sanders. The Bills are going to throw a lot this year, and their top three wide receivers will all at least have flex value. So we've seen at least six targets in all three games, eight in his two TD performance in week three. 
So we're looking at a 16.5% target share, and that is solid as a wide receiver three. But it's his deep threat ability and his work as a red zone so that you got a guy that's going to make big plays and score. Clearly, he's near the end, and he's not a lock to be a wide two on his own team. So you got a solid gamble here. And you're not going to have to give up much more than a third for him either. Clearly, I'm not saying go get him after he just scored two touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like, probably would have to be, like, be giving up a little bit more. You know, let him have a little down week and then go acquire him with a third maybe. And I feel like this is the type of play that you could make to go do that. I honestly feel like as a contender, another good play to do is ask for Sanders in a third for your second. Your second's essentially an early third if you're a contender. If you believe in yourself, that's a good move. And then eventually your league mates catch on for that and they don't do it with you anymore. But the point is, is that that, that would be a very good move, I feel like, for a guy like a Sanders. For my fourth wide receiver, we're going to go with his teammate, Cole Beasley. So we're looking at a 24.8% target share, which is phenomenal. And you're not going to get huge yardage out of him on a consistent basis. He's not a big TD threat. And, but he gets targets, he catches the ball a lot, and he's got a little bit of yak to him. If you have to start more than three wide receiver, he's a great target because you, you could use him as a death piece to prepare for like a bye week or something. You got to be wary about not overpaying for a guy who's like a steady eight to 10 PPR points a week. But those eight to 10 PPR points and a steady, instead of getting a guy that's getting a goose egg, that's the difference between a win and a loss in a lot of, in a lot of weeks. There's something to be said about a guy who's just going to consistently put up points for you. And that's Beasley. And Beasley usually has like one or two monster games a year because if you catch the ball enough, you're going to you're gonna break one or two, you know, and get a big game. Uh, it's a guy you can simply just count on to be consistent for you week in and week out. And, and that's something to ignore. All right. So my fifth guy, we're looking at Adam Thielen. And the man just can't get respect. He's a popular fan in Dynasty. And I feel like he has been for multiple years now, which is why I like buying him. We're looking at a 22.2% target share. And, you know, that's quite nice. And he's definitely driven by those TT numbers right now. And he's definitely a red zone guy, but that's something he's historically been good at. So for a contender, he's a good guy who has him. You know, if he's sitting on a 1-2 roster or an 0-3 roster, you could be buying him for some younger, more unproven prospects to secure him, to secure yourself like a near elite wide receiver option. The reason he's five on my list is that he's the only guy in this list that I feel is costly. I feel like what the cost would be for the to be able to get him onto your team versus what he could mean to your team and in, in towards of winning a championship, it's it's a great target. David, any thoughts? Yeah, I guess overall, Todd, I just I struggle targeting all these older veterans here because they all exploded for big week three games, so that makes them harder to go out and acquire after they all put up 15, 20 points. It looks like here, and especially in Thielen in particular. What ha- he's sco- had four touchdowns through three games, but in two of those games he's at under fifty yards receiving or less. Uh, he's now he does have the solid target share which you mentioned, but he's scoring a t a touchdown for every forty five receiving yards, which is unsustainable. Usually that's up in the one thirties, one forties per TD league average. It's really tough for me, especially too. I think overall, if you look at how Minnesota usually scores their rushing point or their their points, a lot of it's on the ground here. But Thielen keeps getting the touchdowns here, so. He has been a value, but those weeks where he had the 50 receiving yards or the 30 receiving yards look a lot worse without that touchdown there. So I'm curious what you can get for what, how much he will cost to acquire. But I mean, I, I've always had a soft spot for my, in, in my heart for Thielen here. 
but I, I don't hate trying to sell right now if someone's coming and knocking. I'll, I'll just say that. I, I think it's uh, the thing that's an important point for you to bring up is the fact that all oh, these guys had big week threes. It's not necessarily, yeah, when they have big, like you can go out and see what it is. It might cost a little too much. Like a Sanders is a guy that I probably want to wait a week to see him just kind of dip a little bit to get away from that, that bigger performance, especially after Josh Allen breaks out and he looks to be like a good red zone target with him, right? But like with a Thielen, you know you're going to get a guy who's consistently been like Thielen was a top 12 wide receiver last year. And this is a guy that's put up 14 touchdowns in the season. This guy's put up nine touchdowns in seasons. You know, he's broken a thousand yards receiving for, you know, two out of the last four years. And the year that in one of those years, he had like 925. Like this is a guy that will produce. And it's because of the existence of Jefferson and his age that people are kind of fading. But Thielen really, outside of like when he hasn't been healthy, he's been productive. And I do agree with you. He's not going to sustain that touchdown rate. I agree. But the point is, is that Thielen is a buy in the right situation for who the other owner is. Dak could be looking at acquiring him for maybe a second round capital and like another young piece for a team that's not in the winning and not, not in a situation to win. That's something that might benefit that team. But yeah, I think these are targets not necessarily to target right now. I think it's fine to go out and do a little price check on them. Kind of start to, and the other thing too about these these situations are this starts a dialogue with that owner because then you get to know where their head's at and what they're looking for. So then, as the season kind of goes along for a week or two, you can come back to the conversation and still understand what he's valuing, and you can get a better deal out of the situation. Right, Todd. And before we move on to your next point here, I just want to go quickly through here what just Brandon Cook's price rent point has been so far using the DLF Trade Finder in the last week or two. Some trades have been. A, f- a first for Brandon Cooks, two seconds in Quez Watkins for Cooks and a third. Uh, let's see, let's hear uh, a second round pick and a fifth round pick for for Cooks, a second and a third for Cooks, a second and a fifth for Cooks again, and Logan Thomas and a third for Brandon Cooks here. So he, and then two seconds in Jalen Guyton for Brandon Cooks. So those are what's it's really ha- it costs to acquire him. So for what he's doing right now, Todd, those are very affordable here. And then moving on to Adam Thielen. He is like he got went straight up for Jalen Rager two days ago, Tyler Boyd and John Ross uh, two days ago, and then in a single QB, actually no, actually no Superflex. He actually went for for Jared Goff, which actually seems a little pricey to me. And then Adam Thielen straight up for Antonio Brown. So it's kind of some interesting trades here. For, no, like straight up a, a first uh, Todd, like you were talking about with the the pairing with a pick and and. Like you mentioned, uh, I forget with which player it was, but Adam Thielen is second for a first. Uh, those are that's a, another trade out there. So those are just coming. And then AJ Green was I saw a bunch of third round picks and like a third round pick in Jalen Darden, a third round pick and some Fab money. Those like a like three or four of those trades in the last couple of days. So that's that's kind of what these these veterans cost right now. Yeah, the funny thing about that one was is like when you said Quez Watkins in the second, I said a second plus a young player. And I was like, oh, I don't know who Quest Watkins was, who was in my head. I just didn't board it out. I'm like, Quest Watkins a second's not enough. Quest Watkins in two seconds, I was like, oh, yeah, that actually would be a good deal for both sides. And I would totally do that for Thielen as a contender. Yeah, uh, or for Thielen or for Cooks. And for that, it's that's perfect, man. So my second take, why is it time to move on from Aaron Jones? Now, currently the RB2 in the season, you know, on the back of a historic 4TD performance against 
Detroit. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I've actually been like one of Aaron Jones' biggest cheerleaders talking about how he hasn't got respect and how I feel like people expect him not to sustain and fade on him. So, and then he just keeps coming back in, starts being an RB1 year in, year out. So here's the thing. He hasn't been very efficient. And he and he's not going to sustain a uh, 0.67 TDs per game. You know he's only getting you know 79 yards per TD, not gaining a ton of yards. Don't don't go chasing waterfalls. Stick to the rivers that consistently give you a steady flow of yards. And 64.6 opportunity share is solid, not elite. And he's had only two games with only two targets. Now again, early sample size. Not you know, obviously he'll have weeks where he gets more targets. But still, he hasn't really been super efficient, and you're talking about on the back of a four TD performance. Uh, the other reason I'm not really high on him is that he has a tough playoff schedule. Week 15, he's got Baltimore. Week 16, he's got Cleveland. Week 17, he's got Minnesota. The ship game is pretty solid. Minnesota's not the same defense it used to be, but those first and semi matchups are rough. It's not that I don't believe in Jones either. Uh, I do believe he's going to be a top 12 running back, but I think you could sell him as as high as like that top five or six back right now and go get another great running back please plus for him and his value could be very high with certain people right now like swift i feel like jones is the perfect centerpiece to make a deal for a young running back like swift jones plus a first for swift plus some death pieces would be a win for me and i personally probably wouldn't do that for swift but there are owners that would because you're looking at getting back an RB1 plus a first-round pick for a guy that's not getting carried. I'm also looking at rosters that have Eckler and seeing what if they're crazy enough to give me him plus more. Uh, I like Carson and Edmonds as trade-down options where I could diversify my, my, my roster. But that's also talking about if I was going to make a move like that, I have other solid RB options. So... It's not the fact that I don't think Aaron Jones could be a great piece on a winning team. I think that this is an opportunity to go out and strengthen your team for the future. I think this is an opportunity to go out and diversify your team. I think it's, ironically, Austin Eckler's the RB5 in PPR right now, and he's actually had what I would say not the greatest start. So I kind of feel him ready to explode, especially with the way that offense has been looking. So... I like Aaron Jones. He's definitely a guy that could be on a winning team, but I feel like you could max out his uh, his uh, value right now. Todd, you bring up some really good points about Aaron Jones here. Uh, this is actually when I think our our styles kind of clash here. I actually look go look to go get these veteran running backs once they've proven that their that their their usage is going to be what that their offense is going to look like. And Aaron Jones, I, I know he scores four touchdowns. You're not going to go out and, and trade for him right away, but at least. It, it, you're not going to go pay top, top dollar for him where I'm not giving up. So I think it, you're, it's, it's going to be tough to find anyone willing to dra- uh, trade Swift in any deal for Aaron Jones, mind you, unless his name's uh, DeShane's, who's who's a certified hater. But that's what I'm talking about. Go find those people. Find those people. Uh, it might be tough here. But in all, and I just want to, uh, a couple things you said about Aaron Jones, Todd. Yes, his opportunity share on the season is 64.6%, but that's with that total weird week one game where they just got blown their doors blown off in the last two games he's been at 74 percent and 72 percent so much more in that bell cow status the last two games that kind of evens out he's getting some goal line attempts he's getting some invaded tackles his his to be honest his td rate isn't that crazy 
So yeah, the opportunity share has been really strong here, Todd. And I and the thing about Aaron Jones is that we actually haven't seen a ton of it here. He did have that one six target game here. Besides that, two games with two targets here. He does have that receiving upside. AJ Dillon hasn't had a ton of work behind him yet. Uh and I think things are turning around in Green Bay. That run that offensive line has been rock solid as far as a run blocking has been served. Shaky as far as pass blocking has been concerned uh, to a certain extent here, but Run blocking is getting his job done, which is another positive for Aaron Jones here, Todd. Uh, I, it's tough trading away the running back attached to Aaron Rodgers. That's all I'm going to say, especially if I'm competing. I think that's the my biggest problem. So that's the thing, is that like if you're competing, right, you've still got to be able to get something in return that's going to be able to keep you in that driver's seat. And I'm saying that I don't. there's things that are equitable with Jones that you can get. Like, let's say like you go out and somebody is a little frustrated with Eckler. I feel like Eckler could do better than Jones and get a little bit more. I feel like using Jones to be able to go get an elite younger option, and he's still an RB1, I think that those are things that are doable. If you're having like troubles at wide receiver, you can go and get, move down running back a little bit and get that. I think there's a lot of moves to be made. I just worry about him keeping sustaining a little bit. That's my big thing. And keeping Jones is fine. It might it this the, this line should be it might be time to move on from Aaron Jones. It's it's to see what kind of deals and what you can max out on his value. If he ends up being on your roster as a contender, you're not in a bad situation. But coming off that four TD performance, I just feel like it's some it's sometimes like people just get a little in over their heads. Like oh, he's the number two RB two, and you can kind of push that narrative. And if you don't come up with anything, then you're still sitting with an RB one on your roster. I know we got to move on here, Todd, but I will say I think of other backs around Aaron Jones' age. I'd rather move on from I'd move on from King Henry before I moved on from Aaron Jones. I'd move on from Dalvin Cook before I moved on from Aaron Jones. I think we're just going to disagree here because uh, just about how where his value is at and the offense he's attached to. But I, I don't I understand what you're trying to say, Todd. I'm always I'm always about getting younger at the running back position, getting younger talent here. But once we're in season at this point here, I just think it's a lot more, it's a lot harder at this point. But I, but anyway, good good take, Todd. I'm excited to hear about Mike Kosicki, one of our, you know, he's a favorite of ours. I, I'd love to hear more about it. what you got to say about him after week three. All right. So Kosicki clearly had a bounce back game. And there's no secret that Kosicki has been my favorite tight end uh, target this season. I've talked about him on multiple shows. I talked and I drafted him everywhere, including as my tight end one in the Scott Fish Bowl. And I was told by multiple people that I took him too early. And I told them, you'll see. And I thought he'd be a great match with Tua. But uh, Brissett's not going to be throwing bombs. And I see Kaseki getting a solid target share with him to kickstart him. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, you're looking at 12 targets for 10 yard, uh, twelve targets for ten catches. You know, only 86 yards. But he made a clutch 27 catch in OT. So you're looking at them looking for him in crucial situations at that point. And, you know... A uh, 25.5% target share on the day. Big leap from the 14.3 share in week two, which is still solid for a tight end, uh, you know, a lower end tight end, uh, not a lower end, not like an elite costly tight end. And he only had two targets in week one, which has got people a little down on him. He also had five first downs with Brissett last week. So they were looking for him in opportunities to move the chains. Elite athlete coming off 250 catch seasons, he saw, he's got some productions, and he's just got no TDs yet. Even with those only two targets in week one, he's currently fourth in targets among tight ends in the NFL. So 
I expect to see more yardage. I expect to see more red zone looks. I do not expect him to be finishing around the 46th place in yards per target. And I applaud anyone who didn't drop him in redraft leagues and anyone who acquired him after week one. Because I I picked him up off two wires in a couple of weeks. And I could not believe that people were that quick to just drop him. It's just not understanding. I believe that Mike Gusecki has top six tight end upside, right? And what we'll see what comes out of that. But I still think that Mike Gusecki is a tight end one on a team that could win a title this year. Some Todd, we, some people have to remember that you have to be patient with these tight ends. And I know that it's getting up. We're getting up there. He's, he's 25 years old now, but you still got to be patient with him. Uh, I think one major piece that that I think from going from earlier in the season to now, we're seeing that Will Fuller's on the field and maybe just Mike Kosicki, who the Will Fuller just opens up the field here. Now the safeties aren't on top of Mike Kosicki as much who and that I think that's the biggest thing for me is is that you that fourteen yards per target eight out of fourteen week one, ten point seven week two, eight point two this this week now with Will with Will Fuller there maybe they don't he's not stretching the field as much he can be used a bit more close to the field with and Defonte Parker's there as well so I think it just opens up the field a little bit more whereas as they were using Gasecki as the field stretcher maybe he's not being used that way anymore so I think that that's a positive here and Brissett we know is not a gunslinger he's going to take the easy throw try not to turn the ball over so I think Gasecki's a good option with him and that's why he got a big t- uh, target bump in week three Todd. Yeah, and Gusecki's a good player. Like, talent, like, targets equals talent, dude. And he's a talented player. So, yeah, I, I'm excited. And, um, you know, you know, two and one in Scott Fishbowl. I'm not, not, not too upset about that right now, too. Uh, third in my division. Let's go. That's it. So, I'm going to start off. You can find me at FF underscore Banterman over on the Twitter sphere. You can find my rankings, my scouting, my writing over at the IDP, guys. David, where they can find you? Find me at FF underscore Spaceman on the Tweet Machine on Patreon. Find me over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. And also, Todd, find me over at Rookie Fever. We're doing rolling away over on that podcast talking about rookies. Deep dive every single week, folks, on the rookie. So check out Swags, Fenero, and me on Rookie Fever. Happy trading. Peace.